that God's love for us is amazing. And because of that, we can unequivocally say we believe for it. Amen. If you believe in God for something, just go ahead and make some noise. Hallelujah. You said it, God. I believe it. Hallelujah. You said it, God. And if you wasn't going to do it, you shouldn't have said it. But since you said it, God, I believe for it. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's do that one more time and put our hands together once again. Just because it creates the atmosphere, the scripture says, clap your hands, all ye people. So when you make noise, you're just saying to the devil, just like David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This time we're going to bow our heads and get into the word of God for this morning. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, and appreciate you. We ask that you would just continue to saturate us in this place, God. Thank you for the people who've taken the time to come into the building, the people who've taken the time to log in online. God, we're praying that no one's coming would be in vain, that you would speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. God, that it be all of you, less of me, that revelation knowledge would flow freely, unhindered, uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic forces. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. With your Bibles in your hands. Repeating after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Simple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Say it one more time. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Come on, put your hands together. All right, I'll be doing the reading today. My, my, my mother, her birthday is coming up on Wednesday. She'll be 71, and so we're, we're grateful for that. So they are right now traveling, flying to Florida. They should be landing by the time we end this service, so we pray that they would have a good time. But I'll be doing the reading this morning. And I'm just going to start with today's uh, title. And today's title is Broken Beyond Repair. Broken Beyond Repair. One more time. Broken Beyond Repair. Now, if you know me, normally when I share, I'm normally sharing from the standpoint of broken but not beyond repair. But today, I want to prove to you that you actually want to be broken beyond repair, which is quite different from how I normally would do it. But God giving me a different take on it. So by the time we finish the sermon, I'm going to want you to believe that I believe that you should be broken beyond repair. And many of us have been broken but we are all hoping not to be broken beyond repair. But we're going to switch it because we want you to learn how to embrace your brokenness to the point that your brokenness actually becomes a great space for you to move and live your life from. So I, I, I'll have to take my time to get us to that place. But I believe by the time we get to the end, and I think I'll ask you a question if I explained it right. And if I did, then give me another hour and I'll preach it all over again. <laughs> Just joking. All right. Let's, let's, let's give us a definition of broken. Uh, number one, having been fractured or damaged and no longer in one piece or in working Order. I'll read that again. Having been fractured or damaged and no longer in one piece or in working order. Number two, separate or cause to separate into pieces as a result of a blow, shock, or strain. None of this sounds real faith-filled and happy. So let's look at some broken synonyms. Smashed, 
shattered, burst, fragmented, splintered, shivered, crushed, snapped, rent, torn, ruptured, separated, severed in bits in pieces. Somebody's thinking you don't need to go on no more trips because you come back here with some depressing stuff. But give me some time. I'll, 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 I'll get us there. But in life, we've all been smashed, shattered, burst, fragmented, splintered, shivered. In other words, we've all been broken in some way. It'd be nice if we were to be dishonest and act like the moment I got saved, all of life was perfect, but that just isn't reality. Many times as we go through life, we become broken. Now, it's not God's fault that we're broken. Many times we're broken through our own stuff or through the devil's stuff. But however it is, we have all been broken in some way. And if we're honest, we all still have pieces of us that remain broken. There's some things in our life that when we look back over them, we don't look back over them favorably because it still stings. It still hurts just a little bit. There, there's things that we're growing through and processing through. But if we're honest, we are not healed yet. We are not whole yet. This is deliverance temple, but we're not delivered from everything yet. So we have some brokenness about us. What I do love about our ministry is we can be honest about where we currently are. We don't have to fake the funk. We don't have to act like everything's okay. I'm saved and hurting sometimes. I, I'm godly and broken in places. I, 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 I'm doing well. I'm a prayer warrior, but addicted in certain areas. I, I, I have a lot of duality about me. And what I love about God is he receives me how I am. Now, he doesn't leave me how I am, but he receives me how I am. So I don't have to pick up all the pieces by myself. I can come broken and God still knows how to use me when I'm broken. I told myself I wasn't going to tell this story because I've told it a whole bunch of times here, but I, I, it just bears repeating. So I'm going to have to say it again. It, 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 it was an art auction that was happening, and there was these identical twin vases that were beautifully made. And so they were sold as a pair for thousands of dollars because they were a pair of vases. The problem was on the way to the art auction, one of the vases fell broke and was shattered to pieces. And because they sold it in pairs, instead of just throwing it away, they tried to put it back together again. They picked up all the pieces, they glued it back together again, but when it was sat beside the pretty beautiful vase, it now looked ugly. Because the pretty beautiful vase was so perfect and the other one was so broken. It was put back together, but you could tell where it had been put back together. So at the art auction, what they decided is we're still going to try to sell them, but we're going to separate them. We're going to put the pretty perfect vase over here and we're going to put the broken put back together vase back there because it may not sell for what it's worth. But at least we'll try to do something with it. Somebody in the art auction decided that they wanted to drop a candle down in the broken vase. And what happened was every place that it was broken and glued back together, the light began to shine out of the cracks. And the perfect beautiful vase, because it had never been broken, you couldn't put a candle down on the inside of it. And what happened, the story says that the broken vase, because the light was shining out of it, it went for way more money than the perfect vase. And the point I'm trying to make to you, you may be broken in pieces, you may be put back together, but when the light of God comes down inside of you, everywhere you're broken, God can still shine through your broken places. I, I, I'm happy for all the perfect Christians, but I just don't know any. All the people I know have been broken somehow, but the light of God still shines through our broken places. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's, let's look at some repair synonyms that they're going to put up. 
uh, mend, fix up, restore to working order, make as good as new, patch up, put back together, recondition, rehabilitate. So it seemed like I would preach to you that we want to be mended, fixed, restored to work in order, made as good as new, patched up, put back together, reconditioned or rehabilitated. But I'm submitting to you that's not what we want. We don't want to be repaired. We want to be broken beyond repair. Now, let's go to Matthew 14, 1 through 21. We're going to take everything from the same chapter. And as I move in this, I'll explain to you why I say we don't want you repaired. Matthew 14, 1 through 21 is all going to come from the English Standard Version. And let's look at Matthew 14, 1. It says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus. Herod would have been like uh, the king in that area. And so verse 2 says, And he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. So when Jesus showed up on the scene and he's doing powerful and mighty things, what Herod said, this must be John the Baptist because Herod had a connection with John and something happened in the history between John the Baptist and Herod. And so it explains it in verse 3. For Herod had seized John or arrested him and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. We're about to talk about a little scandal. I I, I know you like the days of our lives, the young and the restless and basketball wise and real housewives of Atlanta and everybody else. But there's some scandalous stuff right in the Bible if you would just... Study it. So basically, Herod took his sister-in-law and made his sister-in-law his wife and said, forget you, brother. I want her. I'm taking her. So let's look at verse 4. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. What we like about John, John was not scared of the hierarchy. He told Herod, you might be king, you might be top dog, but what you're doing is wrong. It's not lawful for you just to snatch somebody's wife, but let alone your brother, your sister-in-law, with your nasty, dirty self. What's wrong with you? And so Herod was like, how is this fella going to tell me what to do? I'm the boss. So let's look at verse 5. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. So Herod said, I ain't got to deal with you. I'll just kill you. But the people knew that he was a prophet. Now, let me take this quick rabbit trail. The reason why I'm not afraid to stand up against governments is because when the people know you're a prophet, they'll always choose the prophet over the government. So I'm not afraid to talk about Trump, Biden, or whoever. It doesn't make a difference because even though I live in America, I'm not beholden to America. You will not tell me what I'm going to preach and what I'm going to say. I will speak what thus says the Lord. John did it, but it got John in some trouble. But the problem was Herod couldn't find a way to make it happen. And I'm going to go to another verse, and I'm going to take a quick rabbit trail that I don't want to stay on long, but I got to talk about it. So let's read this next verse. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. I'm actually going to take a few more verses before we jump on this trail. Verse 7, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever She might ask. There's two rabbit trails I'm going to take. Number one is you have to be careful, men, of women who shake everything around you because they make you make decisions that don't make no sense. Herod seen this girl dancing. Now, now here's to show you how wicked this was. He had already stolen his brother's wife. This was his brother's wife's daughter, which would have been his niece or stepniece. 
And now she's dancing provocatively and he's stirred up. I mean, this was some mixed up wickedness going on. And so he got stirred up and said, I'll give you whatever you want because she shook what was right at the right time and caught his attention. Now, please, young ladies, don't take this as Andre saying you need to go shake your moneymaker. No, that ain't what I'm talking about. No, you, there's another way for you to do things the right way. Because here's the thing. If you got to shake it to get it, you got to shake it to keep it. And 10 years later, what was shaking is going to be shaking in a different way. So don't get started in something you can't keep. All right. That's a rabbit trail we're going to get off of. Blur. Verses 8 through 9. Now, now here's, here's a deeper rabbit trail that I'm going to go after this verse. Prompted by her mother, prompted by her mother, who was his wrongly acquired wife, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, He commanded it to be given. In other words, even though the king wanted uh, John to be killed, he didn't want him to die like that. But because he was provoked by the woman and because he was in front of a bunch of guests, he did what he was sorry for. I got to lightly walk into this real quick. Last Sunday, after I went to sleep, when I woke up, On my way to work, I realized something had happened at the Oscars. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know the Oscars was on. But by the time I got up, all the social media was let me know something was going on. So I actually seen it. And I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not here to judge Will or Chris or Jada. But let me throw in this based on this scripture. Sometimes when men are dictated by women they do stuff in front of people that they never would have done because they get influenced and they want to save face uh that's all i'm gonna say about that because because i don't want to get into a long debate some people say well he's standing up for his wife other people say it was just a joke i'm not here to get into all of that we all make mistakes but here's the thing you have to be careful who makes you make a mistake at the wrong time it's, 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 it's bad to make mistakes, but if you can make a mistake private, you can rebound private. When you make a mistake public, everybody knows. So in this case, based on what Herodias was saying, he, she said, I want his head cut off. And King Herod said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's, let's move on to verse 10. He sent and had John beheaded in prison. Verse 11, he was already arrested, then he had his head cut off. Verse 11, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. We're talking about some scandalous, wicked stuff going on. Of all the things they could have asked for of the king, the gold, the riches, the wealth, whatever, they said, we want his head on the platter. Let me tell you something real quick. Demons will want your head served up because demons don't like when you stand for the truth. But the problem I have is John stood for the truth and it didn't get him nowhere. It got him his head cut off. Can we be honest for just a second? If we would stop doing stuff right, it would be easy for us sometimes. Wouldn't it be easier sometimes at work if you just did what everybody else was doing? It seemed like the folk that get promoted is the folk that ain't no good. Here you're trying to do what's right and sometimes doing right gets you broken and it don't seem like God fixed it. I've had to deal with this in my, in my life because people, once they realize not only was I a Christian, and I was a pastor, they realized he has a mindset to do his job, which I don't mind doing my job. I come to work. That's what I'm supposed to do. But the problem is when they can't get the next person to work, instead of punishing them, they would put extra work on me because he's the Christian boy. So he ain't going to say nothing. 
And I was like, listen, you got the wrong one today. I, 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 I come to do my job, but not my job and yours. But let me tell you, one of the worst things I went through, I had a Christian boss who was taking advantage of me because he knew I would do the work. And when I got ready to challenge him, God told me to shut up. And I'm like, this ain't fair. I'm doing extra work making him look good instead of him taking care of me. He keeps piling on extra work. And I wanted to pull him to the side and I didn't want to be real pastoral. I wanted him to tell him something. And God said no. What, I never got to have the conversation I wanted to have. He would smile at me. I'd wave back at him. But on the inside, I was so frustrated with him. But God was teaching me something. Because what he was teaching me, if you can stay still when I want you to stay still, even though you're broken, I will turn it in your favor. And yes, God did turn it in my favor. But the process was not easy. Now, this happened to be the time when I was in Indianapolis. So I'm driving a hundred and uh, not a, about a hundred uh, miles one way to go to a job to get taken advantage of. But God was dealing with me because what he, what I didn't know and he knew that he was going to make me a pastor. And even though I love y'all, some of y'all done got on my nerves and God told me to be quiet. So he was teaching me then for something I would do later. But here's the point. I had to be broken. Because when you do things your way, you ain't been broken enough. Let, let, me, let me talk to you people who are in marriage. The reason why your marriage is having to work because you ain't been broken. You always got to have it your way. You always got to have your word. You always have to have the last word. You don't know what compromise look like. But sometimes in order to compromise and make a marriage work, you're going to have to be broken. You can't have it your way all the time. Some of y'all are just like babies with pacifiers in your mouth. You want to cry and whine every time something goes wrong. You haven't been broken. You take a little kid, a little kid can show up at your house, grab some of your stuff and say mine. Grab the remote off of your table and say mine. And we say, no, baby, it's not yours. You try to take it back, they will fight and cry because in their mind, they think it's theirs. But here's the thing, they are not mature yet. And it's cute when you're a one-year-old, it ain't cute when you're 71. And we got Christians who have never been broken long enough and they want stuff their way. I'm not coming back to Deliverance Temple because Brother Benny keeps sitting in my seat. I didn't see your name on nobody's seat. How are you so petty? You haven't been broken. But when you've been through life, and life has broken you. I don't care where I sit. If I got to stand, I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. Because I could have been dead and gone. I could have been sleeping in the devil's grave. I'm just glad I'm still breathing. I stand and praise God. I, I, I'll do whatever and praise God. I sit on the other side and praise God because I'm broken. So I'm trying to prove to you being broken is not all bad. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse uh, 12. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. So we don't see John the Baptist resurrected. He's dead and gone. Did all this great stuff. And he died a death that was not so classy and great. There's been some great men who healed everybody else and died of sickness themselves. I can even think about our, our own bishop. We give it the shirt off his back for somebody else, but somehow COVID took him out. It don't always seem fair, but you have to understand all of our rewards don't last on this side of heaven. Many of them are on the other side. And if you are not broken, then what you'll do, you'll trade in temporary pleasures for eternal things. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse uh, 13. Now, this is what I want to connect to. It says Jesus feeds the 5,000. 
So many of us don't know that the story about him feeding the 5,000 is connected to this story of John the Baptist. It's in the same flow of things. So let's, let's read. Let's look at what it says. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now when Jesus heard this, or heard of John dying, which was his cousin, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Let's paint the picture. If you know anything about the scripture, years ago when John the Baptist was still in his mother's womb and his mother told, uh, was talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary said, I believe I'm supposed to carry our Lord. The Bible says John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb. So there was a connection between John and Jesus. And as they got older, they were cousins. They were close And now his closest cousin has been beheaded for doing the right thing. And so the scripture says that Jesus withdrew. In other words, he withdrew. Why did he withdraw? Because he was within, he was in grief. He, he, he was human. He, he, he was hurting. He was trying to get his mind and his thoughts together. Sometimes you have to retreat in order to move forward. Don't let anybody tell you that you just have to press through everything. Sometimes we deal with trauma and we have triggers and we just need to withdraw. So Jesus was trying to withdraw, but the Bible says that the crowds heard it and followed him. Let's look at the next verse, verse 14. Then I'll put some, give us some points. Verse 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he was so frustrated because he was in grief. He said, y'all get out of my face. Oh, Oh, that ain't what the scripture says. Sorry. It says, and when he saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them and began to heal their sick. Wait a second. His, His cousin just got his head cut off for doing the right thing. He tries to take some time off, time away. The people come, but Jesus loved the people so much, he just started healing them. Some, I, I'm sure somebody just came with a headache. Oh, man, can't, can't that headache wait? I'm grieving right now. But he didn't say that. He just began to heal the sick. But it was triggered by his compassion. And what I'm trying to submit to you, the more broken you are, the more compassionate you are. See, people who don't have compassion have never been broken. See, you it's easy, and I, I, I'm reminded of this every time I hear this phrase, because my dad said it's not really a good phrase, because he used to work with those who were addicted. He said, we want to call them crackheads. But not everybody we call a crackhead wants to be a crackhead. But they tried something and now they're addicted. But my daddy, because he lived on Skid Row, he would go down there when they were smoking dope. He wouldn't smoke any. But when they came down off of the dope, he would teach them the word of God. He would pray for them. He would love on them. Other pastors said he was in the streets getting high. But because he was broken himself, he was compassionate. Deliver me from people who don't understand other folks' pain. You haven't been broken. But when you've gone through hell and you've gone through trouble and you've cried yourself to sleep, you understand when somebody else is hurting. And even when you need a break yourself, you'll find yourself helping others because broken people make the best healers. People who've never made a mistake, never had any trouble, never had any hiccups in their life, born with a silver spoon in their mouth, they're the hardest folk to deal with. They're judgmental, they're mean, they're evil, they're nasty, but the broken folk. Give me a whole church full of broken people. People that have compassion because they're broken. Let me let, let me explain this to you. The, the, the two Um, symbols of the anointing, the two major symbols of the anointing. One is wine and the other is oil. But the only way to get the oil out of the olive, the olive has to be crushed. The only way to get the wine out of the grape, the wine has to be crushed. So when you see me anointed and you see me powerful, what I need you to understand, I've been crushed. 
I've been broken. I done had some unfair things. I done had some disappointing things. But it's made me who I am. And the reason why I say I'm going to communicate Christ's love compassionately is because I've been broken. And I didn't thank God for the breaking while I was breaking. But when I came on the other side of the breaking and found out I was broken, I've learned to thank God for the breaking because now that I'm broken, I'm able to help and heal somebody else. You, you, you really don't want to get scheduled for surgery and you go into surgery and a two-year-old is going to conduct a surgery. I, no, I'll go somewhere else. Why? Because a two-year-old ain't been through nothing. Ain't learned nothing. I'm not, I'm not using good grammar, but I want to say it the way I want to say it. Ain't learned nothing. You can't cut on me. You can barely color in lines. No, no, you stay away. And I'm here to let you know there's a dying, hurting world, and they don't want no perfect people trying to help them. They want somebody that's been through something. What makes me a good counselor of other people's marriages is my marriage hasn't always been perfect. What makes me able to help somebody who was addicted, because I've been addicted myself, it is my breaking that's made me who I am. All right, let's, let's dig a little deeper. Let's, let's give you a definition of compassion. Sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. I'm trying to train a church because as we look at our vision statement, it ends in communicating Christ's love compassionately. I'm trying to train a church that is sympathetic and have concern for the sufferings and misfortunes, not of themselves, but others. We, 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 we had a day and age where everybody's talking about, I'm coming to church to get my praise on. Everything is about you. Everything is about what you're going through, what you're dealing with. And I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through, but I want to grow you to a place that you're triggered by what other people are going through. That even when your bills are paid, you still have a trigger for somebody else's bills who aren't paid. Even though you're delivered, you're still triggered by somebody else who's not delivered. Even though your marriage is peachy cream, you're still still triggered by somebody else. Because here's the thing, I don't want to train selfish Christians. I like a lot of fish, but the only fish I don't like is selfish. That's the nastiest, most disgusting fish. You can't fry it. You can't fillet it and make it any good. Selfish is selfish is selfish. And we have a lot of selfish, snotty Christians that don't nobody want to be around because they haven't been broken. One scripture says it this way. He says, it's better to fall on the rock. Then to let the rock fall on you. It's talking about the rock of Jesus, the rock of correction. It's better to be broken over the rock and allow God to work to put you back together than to have the rock of, of judgment fall on you. So I'm not judging nobody unless I consider myself. Now, the scripture doesn't say we cannot judge. People, people who aren't saved will say, uh, you ain't supposed to be judging. That's not what the Bible says. It says we should make righteous judgment, but it also says judge not lest you be judged because with the same judgment you give, you will be judged. In other words, you can judge, but the thing is, however you give it out, it's going to come back to you that same way when it's your turn. So the scripture says it in another way. He says that when a brother is overtaken in a fault, you restore considering yourself. Two, two, two friends that, that, I, that I knew some, some years ago, both of them were married. One confessed to the other, I made a mistake, cheated on my wife. The other one dogged him out, talked about him bad. He tried to correct him, but he went beyond correction to talking about him, made him feel so small. And the one who did all that judging told me six months later he had done the same thing. He said the Lord checked him because he was so harsh, not knowing that Satan was setting up the same thing to him. Be careful how you handle.
handle somebody because it might be your turn next. That's why even though I brought it up, I'm careful what I say about Will Smith because it could be my turn next. So, so I, I want to pray for people. I want to have compassion because I don't want to throw something out that I can't accept. You know, some people, they, they're real hard when it comes out of their mouth, but real sensitive when it comes to their ears. Now, keep that same energy you had when you was telling folk off. And now, it's your turn. You, you want everybody to walk on eggshells around you when it's your turn. If that's the case, give out what you want. And a lot of our, us Christians are not doing that. So, and the reason why is because we're not broken. Let, let me continue to go. So, let's, let's put this point up. Point number one. True compassion only flows out of you when you are broken beyond repair. True compassion flows out of you once you have been broken in a way that God wants you broken. We're not talking about just the devil just running over your life. We're saying when you're broken in all the right places. That's a good way to say it. Broken, but broken in all the right places. All right, let's, let's go to Matthew 14, 15. We're going to continue. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. Wait a second. First of all, he was grieving. He tried to get away. That was the morning. But he was healing and touching people from morning all the way to evening, all the way past lunchtime. So let's go back to the verse. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. This sounds like a pretty good, wise thing to say. Yeah, we've been here with them for a while. You didn't have to do what you did. You helped all the people. So now send them on their way. Look at verse 16. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Quite interesting. Now, first, first of all, because they were in a place where they were retreating because of the grief of John, they didn't bring food for the multitudes. They only brought enough food for them. And what I believe is they had already used up their amount of food by the time the multitudes came. But they came for healing. Jesus had compassion. He heals as many as he, as he could. Now it's late in the day. It's turning into evening. So one of the wise disciples said, listen, let them go away. Let them get something to eat. Because what the disciples understand is as long as Jesus is working, they got to be working too. So if they get the people to go away, they can take a break too. But Jesus turned it on me and said, no, you give them something to eat. Let's look at verse 17. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Now, in the other account, it explains how they got that, that they went in and there was a, a boy who had lunch there. And so they used that. So they said, all we have is five loaves and we have two fish. So, Jesus, what are you talking about that we need to feed them because we don't have an unlimited supply? And what I need you to understand that whenever you begin to move in compassion out of your brokenness, the first thing you will fear is I do not have enough. See, I am finite. I am not infinite. I am not um, uh, supernatural. So I get tired. I can only give so much, do so much, go so far. But many times when you feel like you have gone so far, God says, do a little more. One scripture says when you walk one mile with them, God says, go ahead and walk a second mile. And it seems like God is asking more of us than what we can do and what we can give. But the truth of the matter is if you're broken in all the right places, he will always supply you with what you need to do what he called you to do. So he told them, you feed them, and they're saying, we just don't have enough. I know you are God's son, but maybe you're missing something. Maybe you're still grieving. All we have is five loaves and two fish. Verse 18 is a powerful turn of events. And he said five words, bring them here to me. So we're getting ready to... Go and see Jesus do a miracle, 
But here's the truth about miracles is that what you don't have, if you can get it in the hands of Jesus, it can make a difference even when you don't have enough. Another thing that I say all the time that I think will help and it bears repeating that if you if you take a baseball and put it in my hands, it's only a baseball. You take the same baseball and put it in Albert Pujols hands, it's a million dollar making baseball. You take a basketball and put it in my hands, it's just a basketball. Put the same basketball in LeBron James' hands, it's a million dollar making basketball. Take a tennis racket, put it in my hands, it's just a tennis racket. You take the same tennis racket and put it in Venus or Serena Williams' hands, it's a million dollar making tennis racket. If you, if, if you take anything and put it in the right hands, it can be more than what it is. In my hands is nothing, but in the right hands it's everything. And what I need you to understand, even if you're broken, if you can find your way to the hands of Jesus, you can be more than what you ever could have been by yourself. I, I love golf, but I'm really not that good. If you know anything about golf, you get fairways and you're supposed to stay in a fairway. I play three fairways. I play theirs, mine and the one over here. In other words, when I hit the ball, my ball might go anywhere. But I'm still enjoying myself. But you take that same golf club, put it in Tiger Woods' hands, it's a million-dollar making golf club because it's about who got their hands on it. And I'm here to let you know if you would put your hands in the hands of the master, you might be broken. But if you can get in the master's hands, you might be messed up. But if you can get in the master's hands, you might be depressed. But if you can get in the master's hands, you might be divorced. But you can get in the master's hands. You might be broke. But if you can get in the master's hands, I'm here to let you know the right hands make all the difference. And so he said, bring them here to me. I know you don't have enough Bring them here to me. And I'm here to tell you, Brother Tommy, just come to Jesus. I, I'm here to tell you, Sister Devin, just come to Jesus. If, if you can bring yourself to God, he, he can put his loving arms around you. And when you weren't anything, and when you were going in the wrong direction, and when you were broken beyond repair, the hands of the master can make all the difference. Let's look up point number two. It is not until you are broken beyond repair that you truly have something to offer. And I'll explain that. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you the point first. I'll make the explanation with the verse. But it's not until you are broken, Sister Darlene, beyond repair that you truly have something to offer. Let's, let's look at Matthew 14, 19. I, I can explain it this way. It says, then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Who did that? Jesus did that. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. So the first thing he did was he blessed it. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. So wait a second. Blessed, then broken, then given. It was blessed, but it was broken. But it wasn't broken to remain broken. It was broken to be given. Now, if I had a big, long loaf of bread, in order for us all to enjoy it properly, we all don't want to just come take a bite off of it. That would be unsanitary. But if I would cut it into slices, if I would divide it up, or if I would break it, I could actually give it. And what I need you to understand, the reason why you were broken is so that you can be given. Because what broke you, God's going to use what broke you to bless somebody else. And here's the beauty of it all. The Bible says before he broke it, he blessed it. So I need to let you know, you may be broken, but the good thing you was blessed before you got broken. 
God blessed you before he broke you. And I need you to understand that after he blessed you and allowed you to be broken, he only allowed you to be broken because he planned to distribute you. You're just a distribution center so that joy that comes to you can flow through you. But if you're not broken, it won't flow through you. But the reason why I am who I am, because God blessed me, but then he broke me, but he didn't leave me broken. He gave me. The power of this miracle is that he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to the disciples, and then the disciples gave it to the people. So it seems to suggest that the multiplication happened in the disciples' hands. I'm here to let you know you can't multiply anything by yourself. But if God blessed you just right, and God break you just right, and God give you just right. The next step is multiplication. He'll multiply you just right. It may look bad right now, but you're headed for multiplication because God blessed you. God broke you. God gave you. Now it's time for some multiplying. Somebody say it's multiplying time. It's, it's multiplying time. Why? Because you've been broken in all the right places. Let's, let's look at Point number three, and this is, will paint what I just said. God's formula, blessed plus broken equals given. So how do we redeem what we've been through? How do we redeem all that we have faced is we allow God to take our breaking and turn it into a giving. Take the blessing and the breaking and turn it to a giving. So let, 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 let's take it out of spiritual talk. Let's make it real simple and easy. You can't tell everybody your life story, but you can tell somebody. See, somebody's going to look at you and they'll be like, oh, man, Donald, you're, you're, you're so great. You never have a bad day. And maybe you may not tell everybody, but you can pull somebody aside and say, it hasn't always been like this. But God broke me and brought me through something. And because he did it for me, I know he can do it for you. Because he helped me, I know he can help you. Because he brought me out, I know he can bring you out. When you've been broken the right way and broken in all the right places, it gives you hope for everybody else because you say, if you can help crazy old me, I know you can help somebody else. I'm just a nobody trying to tell somebody about a God who can save anybody. Everybody and anybody. And so your nothingness and your breaking and all that, it has a purpose. Flour by itself really don't taste that good. Salt by itself really don't taste that good. Eggs by itself don't really taste that good. Vanilla extract don't taste good at all. How do you know? Because I tried it. I was just curious one day. Running behind my mama and I put it on my, it, it don't taste good at all. But when the egg, the flour, the salt, and the vanilla gets in there and gets all whipped together, somehow it can make a cake. I don't understand how it works, but here's the thing. God knows how to work all things together for your good. He knows how to take the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, and put it all together and whip something up. You're broken in all the right places. All right, let's look at Matthew 14, 21. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Back in those days, they only took account of the men. So let's just use a simple formula. Let's say that every man that came, we're just throwing out, let's say every man that came had a wife and two kids. That would be four people. That would be 20,000 people ate off of five loaves and two fish, and they had something left over. 
I know it looks like you've been trampled on. I know it looks like your life is not going to turn into nothing. I know it looks like your life is over. But I'm telling you, you're at multiplication time. And somehow what looks so bad, you're going to look back two years later and you're going to wonder yourself, how did I get here? How did we do this? What, what I can't understand, how in the world, in the pandemic, did our church money go up? And how did we grow? Because God knows how to multiply when everything is, looks like it's going wrong. You should have been dead. You should have lost your mind. You should have gave up. But somehow you're still here because you've been broken in all the right paces you've been broken beyond repair let's let's go to point number four and then we're going to move out out of here got a few more points to say no more scriptures we're done with the scriptures a few more points to say number four the world around us is supposed to say the world around us gets benefited once we've been broken because every piece given is blessed see he blessed every piece so even though you went through the divorce, he blessed it. Even though you went through the addiction, he blessed it. Well, why would he do that? Because he blessed you before you went in it. And every piece of it was blessed. You understand that you shouldn't have made it here. Do you understand all the sperm that tried to get to the egg and somehow you made it here? You blessed by the moment you breathe air, you already blessed. And don't let the devil tell you anything different. And everything you came through is to benefit somebody else around you. The songwriter used to say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I am blessed. It may not seem like it, but I'm blessed. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm here to let you know you're blessed. I know what you've been through. I know your mama walked out on you. Daddy walked out on you. I know you've been molested and raped and all these things, and I'm not going to try to minimize what you've been through, but what I'm trying to say is before you went in it, God blessed you, and because God blessed you, every piece of you is blessed, and every piece that's broken is still blessed, and the next person is going to skip some of the stuff you went through because you're going to give your life for somebody else so the world around us gets benefited once we've been broken because every piece given is blessed so let's go back real quick and let's look at the title again broken beyond repair so I'm proving to you that in some cases it's good to be broken beyond repair so that God can use your brokenness but I also want to point out to you that the word beyond is the only word that I did not give you a description for. So before we close, let, let me give you a description of beyond. It says at or to the further side of something. Let me give you another uh, definition. Having progressed or achieved above or greater than a specified amount. Let, let, let me say that these two again. At or to the further side of something, having progressed or achieved above or greater than a specified amount. So wait a second. I'm not just saying that you're broken beyond repair because I want you to stay broken because it helps other people. But what I'm also saying is you're broken beyond repair. Let, let, let's look at repair again. I'm, I'm going to read, read them again as, as we move to our close. Men, fix up, restore to working order, make as good as new, patch up, put back together, recondition, rehabilitate. All those sound like great things. But what I'm trying to tell you is that God breaks you in such a way that he takes you beyond just repair. So let me go back to it and let you know you're going to be, put, put the, uh, those synonyms back up. You're going to go beyond just being mending. You're going to go beyond just being fixed up. You ever had somebody say, I got a little fixer up house. That means the house ain't that great. But I'm trying to let you know that after God breaks you, you're going to be beyond just a fixer up. You're turning into a whole mansion. God going to work you so good. You're going to go beyond just restore to a working order. Restore to the working order is just barely getting by. But God says, I want to take you beyond that. Look at this. Make as good as new. No, God going to make you better than new. You're going to be better than you were when you failed. Better than you were when you messed up. Better than you were when you went through the trouble. God is going to patch you up. No, no, I don't want no patchwork. God's going to do more than just patch you up. He's going to go beyond. God. 
God is going to put you back together. No, he's doing more than that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I'm not just being put back together. I'm a brand new being. Not just reconditioned, not just rehabilitated, but beyond repair. Let me say it the way the scripture says, exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. This is the worst you'll ever be because you're going to be so far people won't recognize who you are. Are you the same person? Yes, I am, but I'm beyond repair. I'm beyond just backs and back. I'm greater than I ever thought I was because the God who broke me, blessed me, gave me, multiplied me, and took me beyond. In other words, what I'm saying is you're not just going to get a little back not going to make up a little time. God's going to make up so much in your life that you actually are going to look back on the bad things and be happy that you went through them because it made you who you are. Some of the greatest stories of people have some of the worst things leading up to their success. But what it does, it helps them understand and handle their success. Here's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be shooting stars where we shoot up high, come right back down. People who have gone through stuff and been broken, once they get on top, they find a way to stay on top. One of the richest men in the world, Jeff Bezos, who is uh, the owner and the founder of Amazon, he started in the garage. Well, he ain't in the garage now. He just progressed and progressed and progressed and I'm here to let you know you and all your broken pieces God gonna take you so high that when you tell people your testimony they ain't hardly gonna be able to believe it they're not even gonna believe you was there because what God is doing in your life let's transition now into our communion I'm gonna put that up broken Broken beyond repair. Let's look at Mark 14, 22. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread. Well, wait a second. Look at the same thing he did before. He took bread and blessed and break it and gave it to them and said, take, eat. This is my body. Do me a favor. Before you eat the little wafer, just break it to remind you of this word and eat it broken. As a symbol of our broken Savior. Let's look at verse 23. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. Let's drink of the cup. Representing the blood of our Savior. Verse 24 and our final verse. And he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Let's stand to our feet. In the Old Testament, when you were broken, that's all you got. But under the new covenant, because of the blood of Jesus, your breaking makes you something special. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we've been broken in many ways, but you've made the breaking to work for our favor and to work in our good. And God, maybe some of us are not fully yet done being broken, but we have hope that it won't leave us worse, but we will be better than because we're being broken in all the right places. And God, help us to have compassionate hearts so that we can heal the broken and we can move not just us, but our families, our communities, our neighborhoods, and even our cities, states, and countries, and world in a direction that's so beautiful that when you come to get your church back, there'll be a great revival in this land. Now, God, I'm praying for all the people who may not know you in the pardon of their sins. They may not be saved I'm praying, Father, that they would invite this type of breaking into their life, not just this breaking, but this type of, of loving that takes them beyond repair. Have them to say these words, Father God, come into my heart, break me in all the right paces, forgive me of all my sins, 
You sent your son to sacrifice for me. So I receive him from this day forward. And with him, I go beyond repair. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. God bless you. God bless you. Much love to you.